Well, hello, everybody. This is Sean, one half of Throwback Reviews Podcast. So this episode is going to be something completely different from what we've done before. Uh, it's something that I actually recorded almost two years ago. Uh, it was supposed to be for a show that I had been bouncing around in my head probably for at least a year before I even recorded this. Um, so, uh, but... Throwback Reviews will be coming back as uh, we normally would record it where it would be Rob and I talking about movies, TV shows, music, commercials, all that stuff. Uh, but as we had stated months ago, uh, I moved and I moved into a home that needed a lot of work, a fixer-upper. So it's been really, really busy and things are getting uh, a little bit more normal, but I don't have a place to really record. Like I'm in my garage with my field recorder right now uh, doing this little uh, intro here. Uh, but hopefully within the next couple months, we can get back on schedule and maybe get back to maybe like a once a month or maybe more. But uh, things are uh, still a little hectic and everything. But uh, so I've had this recording and uh, as the title says, it's with Vic Sage. Everybody knows him. Uh, this was an interesting conversation. Again, it was supposed to be for a new show that I was going to start doing where I just talked to people that I had met, whether it was through podcasting or just people I knew and I, to, to try and find out a little bit more about them with just a conversation. So I didn't really want it to be an interview, although I was going to ask them questions, but I wanted it to be like a two-sided just kind of question or a conversation where I could learn more about them. Uh, so, uh, this was going to be episode one. I never did another one after that. And, uh, I talked to Rob and I said, Hey, you know, the feed has been dead for months now because we, you know, I've been busy. It's, it's all on me. Uh, and I, and I was just, I just got my computer set up the other day. And so I was poking around on things and I go, wow, there it is. Uh, so I talked to Rob and I said, Hey, what do you think if I post this on there? I mean, it's Vic, everybody knows Vic's age and, uh, I think it would be kind of, maybe interesting for people to listen to. So he was all for it. So uh, that's what this is. Uh, it was going to be a show called A Table for Two, where, like I said, it would just be me and virtually sitting in a diner or in a coffee shop having a conversation. So um, we will be back soon, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. But until then, my conversation with Vic Sage. I've been looking forward to this, Vic, for um, for a while to do this, looking forward to talking to you. And uh, the hardest part is, and I thought about this today, and I actually just did it because we were recording something before this, but I'm calling you Vic. And I had, when I had reached out to you, I'm like, I want to talk to Larry. Like, I want to talk to the guy who is behind Vic Sage. So that's probably... That's probably the one thing that feels kind of odd right now is to call you Larry and it shouldn't. But my question to you is, um, I would have to assume that most people online refer to you as Vic Sage, but, uh, what about people where you lived? I mean, does anybody else call you Vic or is it Larry? No, it's most people know me as Vic. Really? So through the arcade and things like that, I'll, I'll even introduce myself at the arcade as, as Vic and it's just it's Vic Sage has always been me. You know, it's it's not a mask. No, no, no pun intended. Since Vic Sage, you know, is, was the question right. in DC Comics, but um, but it is. It's it's truly me. I guess due to my work with the podcasts and things like that, it always felt easier to introduce myself as Vic Sage because that way they can look up, you know, iTunes or, or, or Facebook or what have you. They can find me online. Right. Well. That's my other question to you, though. Have you always been Vic Sage online? And was it because it was at the days of like AOL Messenger where you have, you'd make up some name? Um, or was it more to have that kind of anonymity online? No, it's true. I've always been Vic Sage online. Always. Even with, you know, the old blog 
in my youth, victory tasted like a power pellet. So, <laughs> but but was it was it for just to have fun, or or was there any part of it? I I asked that because you know obviously you going with Vic Sage, you're part of the Retroist website and podcast, and the head person there is the Retroist. Our good friend Rob O'Hara has been known as Flack for a long time, and he had even said like he kind of used it, I think, kind of to hide behind that persona, not not in, not to hide anything bad, but I look at that and go, man, I've always been Sean, <laughs> for the most part, um, and I go, man, I wish I would have kind of started so I had that amenity online because I'm kind of, you know, what's funny is um, I've. I've been very quiet about my podcasting, like at work. Um, I never wanted anybody to know about it. I guess it was, I want it to be my thing. I didn't want it to be anything like people could go and listen and that people that I wasn't really close with and could, you know what I mean? Kind of mock me. So I always thought when Rob told me that, I go, man, I wish I would have done that. Certainly. Well, and at the beginning, at the beginning, I was definitely hiding behind it. And, but then... <laughs> Here's another thing. I've never liked my name. <laughs> so growing up, I was just, I apologize. I was, I was just brutally picked on. And with my name, it rhymed with so many, you know, many things, you know, Larry, scary, Harry, you know, just on and on and uh -huh. on. And then especially with, you know, with my last name, kind of the same, the same thing. So, uh, you know, there at the very beginning with that little blog spot. And then, of course, when I went over to the Retroist, yeah, it was basically, oh, my gosh, if I am talking about something and for some reason somebody gets angry, you know, at least they don't know who I am, <laughs> you know. But uh, the whole thing and when the Retroist brought me on board, he said, you know, the key to everything is to be totally honest. So, I mean, while I wasn't born with the name Vic Sage, it is the it became my name as, as silly as all that may sound. Uh, I even, you know, respond to it more, so much so that uh, my wife has actually, I, I've actually thought of legally changing my name. Um, you know, I kind of figured my wife would be like, oh, you're crazy. <laughs> so, but she actually, you know, she's actually on board with it. So. Well, what is your, what does your wife call it? Does she call you both Vic and Larry? Well, in, in public, in public, she'll call me Vic. So okay. obviously here, you know, in, in at the house and all that kind of stuff, you know, she'll, she'll call me Larry. But um, I, I thought maybe she called you Vic all the time until she was mad. And then that's when she was like, your mother would, you know, uh, your, your mother would call you by your first and middle name. <laughs> Excuse me. No, no, it's a. Uh, and it, like I said, I guess it all just ties back into, you know, I'm out there so much online, you know, daily on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and so on and so on that it just, you know, it really, it, it, I just became Vic Sage. So yet again, however silly that may seem. I do want to take a little step back. You're from Arkansas. You were born in, in Fayetteville, correct? Uh, I live, I live in Farmington. Okay, but you were born in Fayetteville. Mm -hmm. How long did you? Is it? Are they close? Because I'm not. I've never been to Arkansas. Yeah, they're just they're just neighboring neighboring towns. So Fayetteville, I you know I would I would I would call Farmington a town and Fayetteville a city. I was I was so, born in a taxi cab. So <laughs> in a taxi cab. Yeah, that's a story. So yeah, my my father worked at a, the Volkswagen uh, auto dealership, and he was out of town picking up a vehicle you know, for, for, for the car lot. Mm -hmm. And long story short, my mom waited too long, uh, to, to get an ambulance. And, uh, so she actually took a taxi cab and then literally when they, the taxi cab was pulling up to the doors, it was already that here we go. So the doctors oh, had to rush okay. out and deliver me in the taxi cab. <laughs> so. Well, at least, I mean, at least the, the, they were at the hospital and there's doctors there. You hear these stories, of, you know, uh, someone gives birth into the car and the husband had to deliver. Right. I mean, could you, right. could you imagine that? <laughs> I, I have, I have three children and every time we were at the hospital for my wife to deliver, I was like, yeah, I'm, uh, I think I'm just going to stand over here and <laughs> coach her. I, I would not do well with that at all. I doubt but, I uh, would either. <laughs> <laughs> so you you talked about you know with your name that was part of going to Vic because you were uh, you know bullied or made fun of was it just for the name or did you have 
kind of a rough go at it growing up. Um, in grade school, even though I Bates Elementary was was the name of my grade school that is uh, sa- sadly gone, um, it it became an annex of the Fayetteville High School, and then. I can't even, I apologize, five, six, seven years ago, they were like, look, we just need to expand the high school because, you know, it needs to be bigger. So they literally tore down Bates Elementary. I got tons of photos uh, while they were tearing it down. And, you know, they were probably like, who's that bearded guy crying out there? (laughs) You know, (laughs) but um, Bates was the low income school, (laughs) you know, for families because, you know, my father was a single parent. but yeah, I, I also was incredibly small. Like my father, you know, my grandparents thought possibly there was something wrong with me, like a stunted, you know, growth. Uh-huh. I probably wasn't, I probably didn't actually get a true growth spurt until maybe eighth grade. I mean, I was small, like, you know, so which you were the target. Yeah. Which was easy for people to pick on um, almost. <laughs> But um, but thankfully, with at least Bates, and, you know, these wonderful, wonderful teachers and things like that. And, you know, they always kind of kept an eye out. But, you know, they can only they can only see so much. Right. But um, but it was still a happy. I have nothing but happy memories besides, you know, certain certain key moments. Well, that's what you know, that's what I was going to ask you as a follow up, because you talk about taking the pictures of the school and crying out outside of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yet you you had guys that were giving you a hard time and everything, but you still found that that's that's a fond memory for you. So obviously there was there was a lot of I mean maybe the connection with the teachers, right? I mean for lack of a better term, protecting you or or, or looking over you, um, that kind of motherly figure at school. Yeah, um, absolutely. It, it's funny there, there's there's so much that I think is what has drawn a lot of us to become friends is, is all of this. Um, well, it's nostalgia, right. For our childhood, for whatever reason it is, because I'm, I'm the same way, man. It's like when we, when I go to, I live a town over from the town I grew up in. And whenever we're there, I always drive by my childhood home. I always drive by my elementary school. It's just this fondness for these things that I don't think uh, clearly a lot of people don't understand. Right. And that's the connection that you and Rob and guys like Doug McCoy and Zerb and Tupa, we all, we're not ashamed of it, right? We, we, right. we, we bask in, 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 the, in these memories and it's great. Um, so you said, you know, your father was a, a single parent. I know you've talked about your grandparents. Did they play a role in, in your raising? Oh, absolutely. Big time. And that's whether, obviously when I was younger, yet again, grade school age, when I got off school, there was no one here at the house. So, I mean, I, you know, I was a latchkey kid. Mm-hmm. So, sure, I could let myself in and all that all that fun stuff. But I would normally take the bus down to my grandparents. And I'm lucky enough that my grandparents, basically both of sets of them, just lived down the street. So, and I mean literally down the street. <laughs> so, I just get off there and go hang out with, you know, with my, my, my grandmother Looper and grandfather Looper, um, which I don't, I apologize. I don't think I've even, you know, Looper is my, is my last name. Um, but, and yeah, I mean, they, they truly, it was a, you know, it was a godsend to, to my father because I mean, he, you know, my father and my grandfather were in the auto industry and they had their own auto dealership for many, 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 many years. And sadly, in the 80s, that kind of the economy for them tanked. And then my fact, my dad became a factory worker, became a steel worker, pushing steel bars all day, 12 hours a day. He would come home and just be dog tired, spent. And our family has always been super close, especially on my father's side. So, you know, I'd get off school. I'd go go hang out with my, my grandfather and, and grandmother and we'd eat dinner. And there's just, I cannot even tell you, Sean, how many warm, fuzzy memories I have. of It's like eating on TV trays all in the living room, watching reruns of MASH, you know, um, let, letting that go into, you know, the A-team or, you know, Dallas every Friday, every Friday night, you know, when, when the new episodes were airing, never ever did we miss an episode of Dallas 
it was must-see TV. And, um, and as I got older, of course, you know, in, in, into my teenage years and things like that, I would be doing my own thing in, in the dining room, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You pull away a little bit. But would, would they would, would your grandparents indulge in the A-team with you and stuff like that? My, my grandmother was a kid at heart. And uh, my father and my grandfather could care less about video games. You know, the Atari 2600. And uh, now my dad just downright hates video games. I mean, he actually despises them. Now, my grandfather was just kind of like, eh, whatever, you know, but my grandmother loved it. And, you know, she, you know, she was my best friend growing up. And I uh, talked about it in uh, Brett Weiss's uh, Super Nintendo book that he that he published uh, last year. Um, in this particular, uh, he was kind enough to invite me to talk talk about this memory. And it was even back with the Atari 2600, with games like Sword Quest or there's certain magics, uh, Riddle of the Sphinx, um, my grandmother kind of became <laughs> the uh, cartographer. So fast forward to when the NES came out, Legend of Zelda, she would keep a detailed notebook <laughs> like, oh, here's this map. I mapped this out and we would almost play the game on shifts. So she would play it in the morning and then when I'd get off school. I would take up, you know, and we just did that so much. I mean, Metroid, I mean, just you name it. And uh, up until, I guess, the Nintendo GameCube, my grandmother was still playing video games. And it was around that time, you know, she, you know, she wasn't able to to keep up as much. And uh, she, pa- she passed away uh, about two years ago. And uh, I've got the, the notebook, all that stuff. That's a beautiful memory. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just, it just shows like you can't group everything together like oh video games are so horrible and whatever you have all these fond memories hanging with your grandmother oh yeah school and the weekends and playing these games and and nonetheless she's she's documenting all of this yeah you know and and now you have what we would say is a a beautiful cherished you know book from her absolutely absolutely and it also believe it or not it helps the arcade in its own way if we ever need code words for you know <laughs> castlevania simon's quest or mike tyson's punch out we've we've got them all on the book so 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 graham is uh she's working at the arcade in a, in a way yeah she has her presence her uh entire nintendo collect uh excuse me nintendo power collection uh is at the arcade so shay shay was kind enough to you know stow it away we we, we don't let the general public use it for obvious reasons but um speaking of like zelda the original zelda you'll pull out the map from nintendo power and it's got all her handwritten notes on it mm. you know things like that so yeah yeah you know and that's that's one of the great things about the arcade is that whether things like that or from my own personal collection or rob's including some of his from his personal arcade things like that the community has accepted it and there's just so many donations because they know that well, I'm not going to be playing this Sega Genesis anymore, but I know the arcade can use it. Right. So it's just, it's this really great feeling, whether, I don't know, passing the torch to a new generation that, that truly seem to accept it and really love it. So instead of it just being in a box somewhere. And going on eBay. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, let, let's talk about the Arcadia a, a little bit. Uh, I remember when you actually started posting on the Retroist when it was being built. And, she, and I think you were involved in, in helping Shay uh, get get it all set up. And yeah. I just thought, man, this is incredible. There's nothing here like that. I live outside of Buffalo. There is the, the closest thing that I know of is at a toy kids museum out in Rochester, New York. And it's huge. It's, it's a huge place. It's amazing. And there actually is an arcade with retro games, a lot of retro games. But there's nothing like the Arcadia. I mean, you walk around at times with Facebook Live and you're just going and there's and it, it, you can even tell the the respect that that place gets. You can you can see it. Sure. You can you can sense it from how you talk about it on your podcasts and your writings on on the Retroist. That's got to be another thing that I mean, you're, that's not your only job. This is kind of I is it fair to say that the Arcadia is more of a passion project for you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's the first three years that it was open. I worked there three or four days a week. Uh, no, no pay. You know, I'm not saying that to make it sound like, oh, he's, you know, a great guy. I don't mean that at all. It's just bec- in this day and age, 
how amazing it is that here's this functioning arcade and it's thriving. That's that's my, you know my day jo- my day job is is a hotel, which is great. I mean, I I have a lot of love for that that place too. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, we we can talk about that a little more if you want, but it's a hotel that was a mill that it's been there since 1835. It is not what I imagined it to be. I was sure. imagining you know, like your Marriott or Holiday Inn type of, you know, high rise apartment or, uh, you know, hotel. Sure. I mean, it is beautiful there. And you seem to, and you, and you do seem, it comes out when we talk in, on other things that you are passionate about that job as well. You take it very serious. It's, it's part of who you are. Sure. And that's, I just think it's kind of humorous that both jobs, you can, I don't even think you can call the arcade a job, Sean, you know, I mean, it's, it's a dream. Right. <laughs> I mean, as, as a kid, when I was going to showbiz pizza, who would have thought that how many years later that I'd be working in an arcade, <laughs> you know? Well, not only that, it, isn't this located just a few storefronts from where your showbiz was? Yeah, it's seven doors down from the original showbiz, which was the biggest arcade, which that showbiz pizza probably had 60, maybe 70 arcade games. So, I mean... Hopefully, knock on wood, by spring, we're opening up the second level, the second building of the arcade. Um, same location. I mean, it's just literally a second level. Right. And I, 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 we are obviously the, the largest arcade in Northwest Arkansas history now. I mean, even now. So, and it's, um, I just think it's funny that, you know, both of, both, both my jobs have to do with history, you know? So, but yeah, um, I, I think I still have a good four, five, six pounds of drywall dust in my lungs from <laughs> when, when, when Shay and myself and his family and our friends were helping to get the arcade up. Uh, I mean, building the, the pony walls for the entrance and obviously the party room walls, mm-hmm. sanding it all down. I, I, I can still I can still taste the drywall dust. I really can. So, yeah, and it's definitely a taste and a smell when it gets in your nose that you do not forget. Yes, I mean that's even that's even you know with the masks and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It just gets everywhere, and we didn't think to cover <laughs> like all the machines. Oh boy! So for the first when it was finally opened, you know you're sitting there dusting the machine off, going how where did this how is this drywall dust still coming out of you know <laughs> we, we, so i still think it's probably in the ventilation you know somehow yeah but i remember i remember one of your posts on the retrist uh, and you had a, there was a couple of receipts i don't know i think you found them they were old receipts and it said fayetteville well i didn't read fayetteville arkansas I was thinking Fayetteville, North Carolina, and I was so excited because my brother lives in North Carolina. And I thought when I go visit my brother, I not only will be able to go to an arcade, but I'll be able to meet Vic. It'll be, it's going to be an amazing trip. And then I think I read a little closer and I'm like, oh, that's too far. That's too far. Well, the the place we're located, the arcade is called Evelyn Hills. It's the original shopping center in Fayetteville. So, yeah, when I mean, Shay was climbing underneath the stairs and it's been, Sean, it's been so many things. A sound warehouse, sound warehouse, a, which is a huge musical store. In fact, some of the tapes that you know, Shay, Shay posts, you know, tapes up and puts up all sorts of art and uh, vintage decorations. Some of those cassette tapes that he has up there are all from sound warehouse. Everything has a connection. Right, right. But yeah, some of those receipts he found was when it was a like a like a pharmacy. You know, it used to be a, a, key, a keyboard music center. <laughs> I mean, it just there's just a vast amount of history in, in that shopping center itself. There's a, a couple doors down from us. There's a co-op called Ozark Natural Foods. You know, wonderful little place. It took over what used to be the Montgomery Wards. And there was there was one one day I was in there grabbing grabbing some coffee and the floor was vibrating and I couldn't figure it out because I mean it's ground level that's it there's only one I mean it's just a strip like a strip mall right yeah and I just made a comment to the cashier when I was leaving I said What's this vibration they said oh it's uh, kind of a a conveyor belt that they have in the bottom level and I was like bottom level and then she said well yeah this used to be this a department store called Montgomery Wards and I went. 
of course. Yeah, you used to take an escalator down there. Mm-hmm. And so, sadly, it's moving to another location in Fayetteville. So, hopefully, Shay and I can sneak in there and, you know, <laughs> document. Right. What if, I, no, you know, don't get me wrong. I don't think we're going to go down there and find that, you know, they kept all the Montgomery Ward stuff. But, <laughs> so... Uh, so my question to you is, your wife, is she as nostalgic as you are, or, or are you complete opposites? Oh, yeah. Uh, she's uh, absolutely, she could care less. I, I love that. Because <laughs> I was like, all right, man, your, your story's sounding way too cool, man. You got the arcade, you're working at the old mill. Uh, good. Uh, my wife is uh, nine years my junior, and um, yeah, now she does. She enjoys going to like flea markets and things like that. Um, I mean, she doesn't hate it or, or anything. Mm-hmm. You know, when I suddenly come peeling around the corner, <laughs> saying, "Look, look, it's a Buckaroo Bonsai Viewmaster reel set. It's only forty dollars." <laughs> you know, she's like, "That's cool. Put it back." And it's like, "No, it, I, I've got to leave with this." Well, I would have to imagine that for her, not that it's hard or difficult, but see, like I'm a huge retro fan. I love nostalgia, you know, for anything, just 80s and before. Um, I I love all of it, but I'm not an encyclopedia as you are or a guy like Rob or the retroist. So I would have to imagine, are you, do you rattle off a lot of stuff like that to her? And she just is like, yeah, it's fake. It, it, it happens probably more with movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I love movies, and that's that's probably actually something, Sean, that comes from my father. And and, and, and forgive me for, for going back just a little bit. You, like I said, being a single household, not having, having much. I mean, Christmas was always – we were well taken care of. You know, my grandfather and grandmother were, were – they were, they were okay. You know, they weren't rich or anything like that, but they always made sure that – Come Christmas or my birthday, it was something, you know, you did look forward to. Um, but my father always, because he, he loved movies too, or still does, he, you know, he, he's still around. Um, but um, that I got my love of movies through him. And I've shared this on the, the, the Saturday Frights podcast. My father waking up in the middle of the night, I was three years old. And, you know, there's his son's awake watching the late late show and it was frankenstein you know the the universal monsters mm-hmm. and he and he tells this story to my wife and you know anyone else if that comes up he's like go to sleep and he says that i totally was like no i'm gonna finish this and i can remember and i i remember i it's it's the windmill scene when the 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 mob set it on fire and so to, to get back to the subject um even though we didn't have anything the one thing was always movies. He would always make sure that we could go to the drive-in at least once a week if the movie was was appropriate and sometimes not appropriate. I'm not, you know, it's like watching Animal House at, at too young of an age or or The Howling or you know um, it's basically if dad dad wanted to see the movie. So there's no babysitter. There's no I didn't stay with my you know my my grandparents on my my father's side uh, overnight or anything like that. So we would go to this drive-in that is I've talked about again on the podcast called the 62 drive-in. Is it still around? It's sadly not. Sadly not. It 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 uh, went under in the 80s and uh, Walmart bought it. Made it made it, you know. Uh, Walmart has a, a pre- has apparently a track record of actually buying drive-in area, you know, drive-in movie theaters and making, you know. Well, I would imagine if I mean it's 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 a pretty I mean, the trees are all gone and it's really just a couple of screens and maybe a concession stand and the rest is already paved. Yeah. It's actually a, it's actually a pretty smart move on their part. I mean, and, and drive-ins are, are so sparse now. It's a, it's a dying, dying yeah. thing. It's a sad. Well, we're lucky enough. We have, we have a drive-in theater still remaining called the 112 drive-in. Obviously, you know, because it's off 112. But, um, and it's doing okay, knock on wood. So I'm always scared, mm-hmm. you know, every season to find out that it's not going to reopen. But, um, but yeah, so I mean, it's, I, I, Sean, I, like, like I said, I, I just love movies. And I, when I became a young man, I, my first job was at a video store. Then I moved to another video store that was a little bit bigger in the area. So, and then after that, I worked at a local movie theater called the Razorback Theater. And I worked there for nine years, you know, even became a projectionist 
briefly. Um, very, fitting. very fitting. So yeah, <laughs> uh, as much as I love movies, uh, I've admitted in the that when it when it, I took my job seriously and it felt so important being part of the movies, but I was horrible at it. Why is that horrible? Well, just the fi- the physicalness of it, like loading and changing on the fly. Yes, uh, and to be fair, the Razorback Theater was it was an older theater, so I can tell you stories like the time where the platter that feeds the film would stop working. You would have to constantly keep an eye on it, and if it stopped working, you would have to manually turn the, the platter by hand. Just keep it going so it wouldn't become tight. Otherwise, what it would do is it would pull the entire you know, a uh, real, I'll use real for lack of a better word, okay. platter of film right into the floor. And that happened one time. And it's just, and you're constantly running, running around, you know, checking on things. So, and it was at this point, you know, cause you're young and you think, you know, you've got it all figured out. You think to yourself, Hey, you know, if I have three jobs, I'll make so much more money, <laughs> which is obviously not, not the case. And just so, t- I was just so tired and, finally i was just like look you know this is being the projectionist i wasn't doing the job well enough so if an audience you know if an audience member was getting you know a bad experience you know i felt bad about it right you took it personal yeah i mean that's that's any job i think is you put yourself all of yourself into it so is it do you think is that something that you learned from your father seeing him as a single parent working in the mill uh is that something that you maybe it was instilled in you whether it was intentional or not just just understanding that or did it take you a while to understand what your father was doing cuz I think for some for some kids it can be kind of um, maybe resentful when you're younger, but then you realize as you become a man or a woman yourself, what your parent was doing, uh, the sacrifices made. Right. I, I did. I understood it, I think, better than maybe most. I truly, truly feel that is the truth. Um, like so much of my, my love of old time radio, things like that. Uh, and believe it or not, I think my work ethic that came from my grandparents okay because I they would continuously tell me stories of when they were younger and I did I just it like soaked it up like a sponge Sean you know so but I, I noticed I mean the few times <laughs> in grade school that I was invited to kids birthday parties and things like that I was you know it's like what we could afford as gifts were like coloring books mm-hmm. you know and then people you know people bought this person you know uh the an x-wing fighter <laughs> you know from you know can you know from star wars things like that and you know it made you feel a little little embarrassed but like i said i understood that you know this is the best that my dad could do and he did it oh yeah yeah and it's um it also filled me with a little bit of pride if that makes any sense yeah, absolutely like i said bates it was, was low income families that were generally you know their kids were attending there and like i said the entire staff uh, you know to the principal on and on took care of us so much that there was I mean, I mean when they were about to tear it down and i was going in taking photos and all that i easily easily saw 5 10 15 people doing the exact same thing it just it meant that much to us it was you know it was safety it was you know uh, even like i said if <laughs> In my case that, you know, I sadly got bullied, but, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, my, you know, my, my father is, is, is still alive, thankfully. Uh, my grandfather and grandmother sadly have passed and, uh, and I do, I'm, I make sure on occasions to tell him that I realize what he did, you know, and it's, whether it be sharing stories with my wife while we're eating dinner or something, you know. Uh, and I think that makes him feel feel good for the most part, you know. I would I would think so. You you want you, you want your kids to appreciate what you've done, and and you want them to do well. Sure. Uh, you've, <laughs> I could see your father when you know looking at you and and thinking, yeah, Vic turned out pretty well. Well, I can tell you there was in junior high there was one situation I don't mind sharing that maybe he didn't feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am intrigued because I, I would love to hear what I, I'd love to hear what Larry uh, is going to throw at me right now that he thinks is so bad. I'm, <laughs> well, uh, th- being a single parent also means 
like my father would get up at four in the morning. He would wake me up. He would go to work. I would stay up watching uh, TBS until basically it was time to go out the door, get on the bus and go to school. Well, there's no one to make sure you do that. So there was a bad, now this was in junior high, like I said, not, not grade school. Mm-hmm. There was a bad, 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 bad bullying situation. Um, let me skip forward just a little bit. So bad that the person that caused this situation was expelled. But for 14 days, <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to school. And obviously, this probably won't shock anyone listening to us, but you know, the school kind of notices that, mm-hmm. that you're not in attendance. So <laughs> may have, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and, because this, this obviously is not, not funny, but I think in my entire life, I've seen my father cry three times. And when he found out what I had done, that was one of the times. And um, I mean, it's what you think. I mean, obviously, you know, he felt that I had betrayed his trust, which to be fair, I did. And uh, what was he aware that you had had situations? He was, he was. And to, when this all came out, I mean, I explained the situation. You know, I mean, I, I was obviously bawling because, you know, you know, uh, my father was so upset at me and yeah, you know, on and on and on. And then even like school counselors got brought into it. And then that's when, like I said, that person that was causing that extreme bullying and I do, and when I say extreme bullying, I don't mean just name calling, pushing all, I mean, physical, physical, physical. Yeah. And, um, but he, this, this kid, he got expelled. And so, I mean, I guess that's the good side of it, but, but he, my father would always be pretty quick to remind when people were like, oh, your son is just so laid back. He doesn't cause you any problems or anything like that. My father would just be like, well, you know, there was this one time. <laughs> so that was kind of my, my great shame as a kid, I guess. <laughs> so do you think when, when he was up, you know, clearly upset, was it be, not only because you were skipping, but because of the, of why you were and, and how it had affected you to not want to go that to see your son, because I have, I have three kids, my oldest son, he's going to be 17 and, and he's dealt with some things. And there, I, I can tell you as a parent, there, there's nothing more heartbreaking than to know that your kid is uh, being targeted or right. being ignored or being excluded or you know, anything you want your kids to have as normal of a life as they can. And as a parent, you only have so much control over that. So when you see your, your child visibly upset, uh, holding on to things, breaking down, which, is, which are all things that I've dealt with my oldest son, it's really, really tough. It's really tough. And if he would have or if he were to act out in a certain way, um, it would be very difficult, I think, again, as a parent to the, that 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 line right there of something was done wrong, but here is why. What am I more upset about? Well, I think that my father, yet again, being a single parent, I think he was scared. He was scared that the counselors or something would go, oh, wait a minute, we need to get, you know, welfare services into this. Or, you know, obviously this this guy can't take care of his kid or something like that. I think that's, he was his first reaction, which obviously was not the case. But, um, but and then the counselors did, I mean, to, to, you know, to their credit, they, I mean, it wasn't like, because I went back and my father wrote a note saying, you know, this is the situation. And then I, I wasn't even in, <laughs> you know, my first grade class 20 minutes before, you know, the counselor's like, Hey, would you mind coming to talk with us? And that's when I told him, you know, what had happened and why, and you know, and it, it's what you think. I mean, being, I mean, that's their job. Right. And they were like, well, why didn't you go to your teacher or why didn't, you know, they wanted to really get to the bottom of it. And then once, once it did, I mean, it even, Sean, it even the, the vice principal and the principal were brought in. I mean, it was, it was a big, you know, <laughs> family gathering, uh, not on, uh, sorry, forgive me, you know, the other guy's side, uh-huh. my father, myself, and there was none, none of this, you know, like I said, it, there was nothing, what my father feared wasn't even remotely on the table. These teachers, you know, like I said, the principal and the vice principal, the, the counselor, they were actually worried, you know, for us. Right. So, I mean, it's, uh, but it definitely, whew, there was quiet nights <laughs> yeah. for, for a good yeah. couple of weeks, you know. <laughs> So how did things uh, how did things go when you moved into high school? Was it, a, was it the same uh, scenarios, or did things kind of change? 
totally, totally changed. So, I mean, I had a blast in high school. In particular, when, I guess it was my, I guess it was 11th grade, when I became part of the video production club. It was the first first year for that. And I absolutely loved it. So much so that maybe my grades suffered every once in a while. <laughs> but uh, and then like dr- the drama club and things, or, or drama class, I should say. But, um, and I was only in one actual play and that was flowers for algernon and but i was in i was the technical i worked on the technical side of every play the thing um, my you were in a thankless position yeah so do, doing doing audio imagine that <laughs> but my my drama teacher mr rosenauer was a super super great guy in fact i went from the drama one class to drama three and like I said, even though I wasn't, which is, you know, at that point, forgive me, was unheard of, jumping, you know, two classes, if you will. Right. right. I mean, I loved putting on the shows. I loved entertaining people. It was and a, also... It was a passion. You know, yeah. Yeah. And I th- and Mr. Rosenauer, I think, saw that. You know, and it, it's, it's what you think. I mean, there's, there's, you know, it's like if you're reading something in the, the drama class, don't just read it like that. I mean, you're supposed to put forth a little bit of effort there. Mm-hmm. And like I said, even though I was only actually in that one that one play, I, I was involved with every single one of the productions. It was it was a, it was a blast. And in, for some strange reason, Sean, on in my senior year, I went missing in the system for like a month and a half. Literally there was no record of me. <laughs> it's like the paperwork got lost. Now of course remember this is this was well, 91. So <laughs> Basically, for a month and a half, all I did was sit in the library. You know, I was a library aide from go morning <laughs> morning until night. It was the craziest because they couldn't put me into the computer, you know, for my classes. So thankfully, you know, it wasn't too much too too much of a burden. Though my math my uh, math has always been my my worst subject, and uh, that one did that 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 did hurt me. When it was time for graduation, I was a .25 credit shy of being able to graduate. So obviously I had to go to summer school, you know, to make that up. But um, I almost didn't uh, graduate myself. <laughs> I was in fear of it because I, would, I was skipping gym like three quarters of the year. I was like, yeah, it's gym. What do you need gym for? And I would skip and we'd go to Taco Bell or McDonald's or, or whatever we were doing as teenagers until finally one day my, my gym teacher caught me in the hall and he's like, Mr. Johnson, did you want to graduate? And I said, yeah, of course I want to graduate. He's like, well, then you better start making up gym classes on your on your uh, study halls. And that's what I that's what I had to do it was, was uh, do that. Um, so, well, let's fast forward a little bit. Let's talk about your involvement in the Retroist and how did you, um, how did you get involved? Did you just, uh, did he reach out to you or did you just start writing a little bit and then just kind of move up the ranks, I guess to say for, you know, lack of a better term, because you are kind of, at least I, I think I look at it that way. I think a lot of people, you look, you're as though the, like the number two over there at the uh, Retroist. Well, I had that one little blog, which was basically just created to stop clogging up my friend's emails, you know, with like, hey, check it out. Look, this is a a variant Pac-Man Atari 2600 box, you know, that kind of stuff. Give us a timeline. Oh, uh, I guess it's been, well, in October, I'll have been writing and making podcasts, whatever, you know, for the Retroist, I guess, for nine years. So, well, how long, how long did you have your own blog going? Uh, a year. Okay. And what what had happened is um, I made a I, I found a little computer program, you know, an online program that, you know, can make can make fake Atari 2600 labels and blah, blah, blah. And what I did is I made a made a, a post about, you know, uh, Night the Night Stalker, the, the old TV show, Darren McGavin. It's one of my favorite TV shows. Call check. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. And thanks to my father who told me about it constantly as, when I was a kid. And I made a little fake Atari 2600 cart cover. And the Retros happened to see that and contacted me and said, hey, do you mind if I share this on the site? So I go, oh, sure, cool. You know, that was it. And I, and I, did, I did my best, you know, not I, like, for example, the, the date was the, the TV show date and made sure that it was Dan Curtis Productions, that, that kind of thing. And a little bit after that, he contacted me again saying, hey, you know, have you thought about maybe coming over to the Retroist? And I was like, sure. You know, I even asked him, I was like, you know, basically how many people visit your site? I mean, 
I'm not trying to become famous or anything like that. But and he's like, and he, and he, he asked what my numbers were. And I told him, which I think maybe 75 people a day uh-huh. were, were checking my blog out, which I still think is incredible. <laughs> you know, and he told me his number, which was a, a couple thousand more. <laughs> to say the least just a couple yeah <laughs> were you were you familiar with the retro site i wasn't i wasn't until he contacted me and then once he did uh, you know i started following it daily because it was it was fantastic and it, sean if you'll remember back back then i don't want to call it the golden age but i kind of feel like i have to there was five or six people writing a day you know just i mean all sorts of stuff you know mm-hmm. and and real writers, I mean, like Rob, things, you know, people that, you know, actually could write. Yeah, the hack, the hacks like myself came later. <laughs> well, no, that's, and, and, and trust me, that's that's me too. So, um, but yeah, it, immediately, just, it felt like home, man. Yeah. It did. I mean, the retroist took me by the hand. Every single time, I'd be like, okay, the, what am I supposed to do with this image? How do I make, put this image into the post? 100%. I mean, you know, he's got a day job, you know, and he just very, very, very kindly, you know, guided me the entire way. And that's, you know, that goes right up to the podcast and stuff like that. You know, if it wasn't for the retroist and yourself and, and, and Rob and, and Doug McCoy and, and, you know, a few others, you know, I never would have tried to throw my hat into the ring of podcasting, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, the, the retros was definitely an, an influence on myself starting throwback reviews. I had, I had been podcasting for about two years prior to starting throwback reviews. Uh, I was on an Android uh, podcast, Android app addicts, and we would just talk about Android phones, hacking them and mostly apps and stuff like that kind of reviews. But I felt the same exact way you just described it. Like I felt like I was home and I, I I will be perfectly honest with you. My, my love of '80s nostalgia really kind of ramped up when I found that it was always there. I think because, like I said, I've always liked older stuff, but I, I, maybe it was suppressed or something. Because when I found it, I was just like, "Oh, this just feels like deja vu." It, it just feels, um, I, yeah. I just felt like home, and I just would binge on the podcast, and I would tell everybody about the podcast <laughs> and sure. uh, I think it to, it to the point where people are like, yeah, that's great. Uh, I don't care about cabbage patch dolls and <laughs> you know, all the different sure. things that were uh, and, and I found the, the, the podcast before I actually started going to the website. Then I went to the website and I was like, Oh my God. And like I said, I, I hacked up, I think maybe two or three articles I wrote up and, they would take me forever and they were the shortest little things that I wrote about, but I was just like, I I feel like I need to contribute something to this, but I knew, you know, like you said, Rob is a writer and, and you know, you're downplaying your own writing and and things that you do at the retros. But I truly was like, this is really hard for me. I'm it's more (laughs) enjoyable for me to just go and view what everybody else has done there. Um, but so, so let's talk a little bit about your podcast. What was your first uh, show that you started doing outside of your part on the Retroist? Um, it was the, the, well, the first, the first podcast was the Saturday Frights podcast, which was a a horror based (laughs) show because like I said, I I love movies and in particular, I love, I love the horror genre. Um, and that, that's probably the i know this is going to sound so weird because I, obviously i love all the podcasts that i do but the saturday frights one just feels special and i think you know due to my co-host the projectionist, you know, the projectionist. so over the years i still don't know if i've actually done it right <laughs> if that makes any no, sense ex- explain what, what you mean by that well, you know, you don't want to be like everyone else, just talking about who was in it, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You want to share your personal memories, you know, which I think you more than understand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't, and I'll obviously reveal this. Of course, the projectionist is me. You know, I do the voice of the projectionist. And because due to my setup on my computer, I was like, well, it's easier to have a host co-host situation if I'm the same person. And obviously the projectionist is this shadowy character, you know, that always kind of says something creepy. I, I'll be honest with you. I did not know that that, that it was you. <laughs> I thought it was 
Well, it, it doesn't matter. I, I'll, <laughs> I thought it was someone else, to be quite honest with you, that was doing the, the voice. I mean, it was, it was obvious it was distorted and, and changed, but I didn't know it was. Sure. Real. And it's a, you know, I started kind of relying on distorting it a little more so I could save my throat <laughs> because it was really, I mean, I don't care much tea and honey you're drinking. If, forgive me for, for, for doing this, but when you do something, something like this. It'll hurt. It's going to, it's rupturing (laughs) your throat, you know? And, um, but sadly, you know, I mean, I'm such an amateur that I wasn't, I, I don't know how many other podcasters are like this. I kind of hate the sound of my own voice. Yeah. You're talking to one. Yeah. I, I can't listen to myself. I mean, I'll listen to the podcast to make sure there's no, you know, mess ups. But it's torturous, isn't it? Yeah, it's just it's it's just the worst. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think some people understand that, and I don't think all podcasters are, are that way. And it's not to say that it's ego for them to hear themselves, but I am the same way, Vic. I I I do I record a podcast, and then I dread that I have to edit it, and it's not the time because I I kind of like. I mean, can you call it an art of editing? I like to do that. And sometimes, uh, honestly, you know, I kind of just throw something, uh, you know, through the editing ringers real quick because of time constraints or things in my actual life. Uh, so right. I may not, but then uh, I might listen to it after and go and uh, I'm picking it apart, but I do. I, I hate to hear my own voice. I wish yeah. I wish I could just put it into a you know a machine and and that did the edit for me exactly how I wanted it in my head because it is tough it it really is hundred percent and I also agree with you Sean that I love to edit that is I'm, that's the fun to me and in in particular in this and forgive me on this one this this will sound egotistical there's been a few times on the Saturday Frights podcast where it's like okay I'm taking six different bits of audio and editing it till it sounds like it was just one bit of dialogue. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like taking breaks and things like that. I mean, there was mess ups. There was little issues that I was able to massage and it just sounds natural. And that's that's where I take the pride where I'm like, even though ho- hopefully no one will ever notice that, <laughs> you know, like the the early, early, early episodes in, in for its entire run almost until the last couple of years. It was just like, are you going to do the synopsis? Are you going to do a full synopsis? I, I just kept waffling because. I'd hate to I hate to ruin the experience for somebody who's never seen the movie. And to to be fair, the fans of the show, it was just 50-50. They were like, "No, no, no, don't run it." And the other half was like, "No, go ahead and do the full synopsis." Yeah. So always it was always a little challenging to 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 find that sweet spot, you know. It the problem though was it just took too much time, too much time to put together. I would close the arcade and then I would record for 3 hours and then edit for 2 hours. And then, you know, put it all together and then go on to the, to the, to the next, next show, the next podcast. Well, I wanted to ask you about that. I know there was a time and, you know, you don't have to talk about it if you, if you don't want to, or, if, or get into too much detail, but I know there was a time where you had to kind of take a break. I think, I think maybe, like you said, you're working at the arcade and working your other job and, and then doing this, that your wife was kind of like, whoa, you need to, uh, you need to back off. Yeah, absolutely. It's basically, and, and no, I, I don't, I don't mind sharing this because it's one of. The, I think it's a, a prime example of sometimes you're just so in the moment you're not looking around. Mm-hmm. And what it was is, you know, I I had to script the Saturday Frights podcast. I, I mostly script the Diary of an Arcade Employee podcast. You know, and I had the Retro Radio Memories, and uh, so that's. That was the three podcasts, but it takes a lot of time. So, you know, basically, long story short, my wife wasn't seeing me. On on my days off, I'd just be getting everything ready to record and, you know, doing my research, you know, no matter what the, the negative iTunes reviews might say. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she, Sean, I... Uh, Basically said, okay, I'm going to go go to the back room, the library, as I call it, because I've got all my bookshelves and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to start recording. And my wife just broke down and started crying. And obviously, you know, which made me feel, you know, like like a worm. And I was like, what's wrong? And she's like, all you do is work, you know, whether it be at the hotel or at the arcade. And, you know, this, po- this was one of those points, actually, at the arcade where, you know, I wasn't getting paid. You know, I was just donating my time. Right. You know, to help out. That way, Shay, you know, not, not, it's. Shay wasn't being a jerk or anything like that. It was just 
I was donating my time to help the arcade so he didn't have to pay anybody. Right. You know, so obviously it was like, it was an eye-opener. I, I, I 100%, I, I didn't remotely see that there was a problem. And, you know, obviously, <laughs> now, I think we should also mention that while the Saturday Frights podcast was once a month, um, the diary was bi-weekly, Retro Radio Memories was every week, so I was recording a lot. <laughs> and so, obviously, I, I told her, truthfully, without, you know, looking back, I said, that it's over. You know, I'll take a hiatus. And, you know, I, you know, I posted on Facebook, uh, well... I immediately contacted the retros. I was like, look, we got to talk. <laughs> so, because ri- even writing every single day for the retroist, uh, and, and, and Sean, we are in the same boat on this. I mean, it. I'm not a writer. You know, it's like pulling teeth <laughs> to make something that I that I am not ashamed to publish right. or, or, or produce in the case of the podcasts. And everybody was super, super understanding, like, you know, like, thanks, for, you know, thanks for everything, which made truly made me feel good. Obviously, that people understood and, man, appreciated the shows, I guess, so much so that, you know, and, and I mean, personal messages like, you know, I was going through a, a bad time with my family, like, like a, a family member was not doing so well. And listening to you talk about, you know. Um, splatter house mm-hmm. <laughs> for the turbo graphics, you know, really helped me over that. And it, and I do not say that egotistically, but it makes you think maybe you're doing something right. Yeah. I mean, like I said, like I mentioned about the iTunes review, it is, I mean, there's, it's, it's much easier for people to be negative than positive. Absolutely. And, and sadly those, those negative, I think one person said, you know, Sage's Ned Flander voice is so off putting that, you know, yeah, that you kind of can't help but go. Hey, wait. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I and I don't understand that. But uh, you know, people say you hide behind that screen, that keyboard, and and, and a different person comes out. But I, I don't think that's true. I think it's just it brings it to a surface. It, it makes people feel like they can you know do whatever, and it's just a bullying all over again at a different age. And uh, sure. I, I just don't understand the the waste of time. Sure. For the, I think for the most part, people that enjoy a lot of times they don't say anything. Um, and it makes you wonder, is anybody interested in this? Um, this, If it becomes to where things aren't enjoyable, then that's when I have to pull back. And have you had that with any of your shows, or was it just the circumstances where you were detaching from the relationship that made you realize, oh, crap? Yes, with the return to podcasting. And I, and I cut everything out, Sean. I'm the retroist. I mean, writing. I even for a brief time, you know, the Facebook pages for the shows. Because I told originally told people I'm going to keep this up just because doing just like we're doing now. It's just hey, check this out. It's a beautiful Tempest cabinet. You know, let's look at the artwork of it. That kind of thing. And that that lasted maybe a month, and I just cut that out too. Um, and my wife, well, like I said, it was about a year. It was. She was the one. She said, you should probably, you know, go back to writing. You enjoyed it in your way, even though it can be super hard. Yeah. And, and it, and it which, is, which obviously is true. But she said, but how about you don't do three podcasts? How about you do one a month? And I was like, well, yeah, that sounds more than reasonable. You know, and it, it'll, it'll obviously not take as much time, you know. Of course, as soon as I start, I tried immediately <laughs> had to, you know, tap the brakes myself. Going, okay, well, now wait a minute. You know, time permitting, there'll be one, maybe two a month. And, you know, my wife is, is, is totally understanding is understanding about it. And uh, with, like, like what we're doing right now, my, my wife works in the mornings. We have literally split shifts in terms of the hotel. I work the night audit shift. She works the morning. But, you know, we're lucky enough to have that time in the, in the evening right. together. So... So everything, everything, you know, is golden in that regard, um, you know, because now it's like I said, it'd be like, we'll just I'll pick. OK, I'll start writing at the hotel on Friday night and then I'll record Sunday night when I get home because, you know, mon- Mondays and Tuesdays are my day off. And it doesn't it doesn't affect anything because I'd be up anyway. Right. So that that kind of thing, um, you know, but but yeah, it uh, it, when that happened, it did allow me to step back and look. And I was like going, holy cow, uh, like for the retro site at that point, um, on like, say, Saturday, I would do three posts. I would write three articles and 
you know, just to keep, just to make sure that people are continuously coming back to the site, you know, because I mean, you know, they want to see new content. So, I mean, even now, um, I'm, I'm the main contributor and that's just because as far as uh, that, I understand, uh, the retroist, he he has a job that's just, you know, and I hope he doesn't mind me saying stuff about this. Like he, he sent me a text, um, I guess it was last weekend where it was like he was, he, he was finishing up a 21 hour shift, Ooh. you know, and that was like, I think the second time that week. So whatever he's doing is just, I mean, it's really demanding all of his attention. So, you know, I want to, you know, I love the retroist side itself just, just as much as I love the arcade, you know? Right. So, you know, you you want to make sure that every day people are going to at least be able to check in. Of course, we've got uh, Allison posts generally once or twice a week. Um, on the Saturday Frights Facebook page, one of my co-authors, Rockford J, he's started to throw his hat into the ring, and he'll generally post once or twice a month. Um, and it's just, it, it's a little bit of a throwback to the, you know, the old days. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Back at the beginning, it was kind of like everybody had their, their thing, their niche. So mine might be talking about horror movies and video, you know, certain video games, that thing. And um, because I mean, it's you know, it's it's great to play off of each other. So something that Allison or Rockford writes about might trigger something like, oh, I should go check out this, and then you know, write an article and share that. We're getting close to kind of wrapping this up, but I do want to talk about two other podcasts. You, you you've mentioned the pop culture uh, retro retro uh, retro rama. It's a tough one, Vic. We have we have Rockford J to thank for that. Oh boy, <laughs> he's the one that came up with that title. <laughs> Pop culture retrorama. I just found that the other day. I I was not aware of it, but I'm I'm very excited about it. You have one episode out at this point, so, and I understand your situation, but I'm hoping another one comes out because, and, and you can explain it, but I, I like the concept of it. I love that it's not pigeonholing you into one specific topic. Sure, sure, and that's that's exactly what it is. And the the by the way, I'm not I'm mentioning this. I'm not knocking iTunes. It took iTunes over a month well, to approve the podcast. Yeah, they're ridiculous. <laughs> it could take two minutes or two months. <laughs> so, There's no consistency with, with iTunes approval. <laughs> but it is. It's If I want to talk about the monkeys, you know, how am I going to throw that into the Saturday Frights podcast or the diary or, or retro radio memories or what have you? And Or if I want to talk about Inhumanoids or, you know, it, fr it does free me up. And that's uh, the one I'm working on now is actually a comic book from the 90s called Starman. DC Comics, James Robinson, hands down one of my favorite comic series of all time. But it's, re it's freeing me up, but it's also, in this particular case, Sean, it's so far out of my wheelhouse of what I'm used to. When I'm talking about movies, I can go, well, this is kind of cool, and this is why I feel that way. Let me play just a real quick 45-second audio clip mm -hmm. to, show, to explain to you why, like in Reanimator, Jeffrey Combs is so amazing in this role as Herbert West. With Starman, I'm talking about a comic book. I mean, there, there's no audio to help prove my point. Right. So what I think is, with in, in this particular case, you're going to be listening to me talk for 18, 20 minutes, and hopefully it just won't be the most gigantic, you know, snooze fest. <laughs> so, but that's, the, the first episode was a bizarre one too, and that was because the retro, sadly, due to that, due to his work, wasn't going to be able to put out a holiday special, which is something, you know, he's pretty much pretty mm -hmm. regularly done. And I kind of just felt that was such a horrible thing. I mean, people looked forward to it. Um, he had three submissions from other people who were just sending those in to his own holiday special. And I guess he contacted them and said, hey, is it okay if Vic takes over this? And obviously, they were they were fine with that as far as I can tell. And, you know, I made sure to put that into the show because it just, you know, felt like it was something that needed to be done. But, but it's just so... You know, it's got to be bizarre for especially a new person that hasn't heard any of the other podcasts. It's like, here's the first episode, holiday special 2018, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I made sure at the beginning of that, that, that first episode to say, yeah, this is really kind of a bizarre way to start a new podcast. But, um, but like I said, I, I'm, I'm very excited for it just because yet again, it frees me to talk about so many things. I mean, I won't be talking about horror movies or anything or video games or, you know. Because I've already got those other shows that'll deal with that. So. 
what about this other podcast that you've mentioned? Tune in. What's uh, what are we looking for that to drop? <laughs> well, hopefully this year. <laughs> We've got two episodes in the can, actually, and that was really? that was that was last year. My co-host on that is Gary Burton. Oh, okay. Friend, friend of the arcade, and obviously the retroist. That's it's his. Honestly, Sean, it's his baby, and I'm I'm the co-host, and we we also we also have uh, a third chair that's on that will be on sometimes. A really nice guy named Alex Martin, and I mean it's what you think. It's anything from Looney Tunes to Johnny Quest to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, whatever we might feel like talking about. And yeah, I'm pretty sure it's coming out this year. I look forward to it. I'm glad you're back in into the podcasting game, even though you know it's it's got to be a limited. I completely understand, and I side with your wife on that. This can be fun, but it can be consuming. I've I've done I've gone through that in the past where I got a little too in, involved and put too much time into things. Um, I think a little bit it has been a learning process to speed up processes, but also to learn like, look, the, the, is is the listener is the end result going to be noticeable by the, by the listener if I put three hours in or I put three days? Because I used to used to take me days to do edits, right? And now I'm just like, mm, I don't really think so. So, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's good to have you back in the game. It's been great talking to you. I I could do this another hour. I I. You know, I obviously had some some notes on some things I wanted to touch on, and there's things I didn't even I didn't have a chance to. Uh, so maybe we can do it again at some point. No, oh, absolutely. I've had a blast. It's good. It's good to be able to talk to you again. <laughs> yeah, it, it was fun. It's been a long time, and if people don't know, like you have been on Throwback Reviews a few times, um, Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. That was a fun one. You did a little acting in the beginning of that. I don't know if you remember, but. <laughs> You gave us the voice of your D&D character. <laughs> yeah, this is fun. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thanks for talking with me. Thank you so much again for letting me be on your show. I appreciate it.